Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Paul tells the church in Philippi, in Philippians 4, 6, he says, be anxious for what? nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, will guard what? Your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You see what I'm submitted wholly and completely to the Lord. He's going to guard my heart. He's going to guard my mind from these anxious times, these times of stress and these times of worries. Have you ever struggled with the feeling of anxiousness? We all have at one time or another. But if we deal with anxiousness through prayer, we can overcome the temptation to give it a place in our lives. As we get into today's teaching with Pastor David, we are reminded to trust in God no matter the circumstance. To be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Turn your heart to God in prayer. For as we do, Christ Jesus will destroy the work of the enemy in our lives. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Don't Worry. God created me as I am, and I am five feet and just enough inches tall, okay? As a matter of fact, I determined a long time ago that if I was any taller, my feet wouldn't touch the ground. So God made me right at the right height. Some of the rest of you, uh, okay, made a little bit taller. That's so you don't have to walk on your knees among the rest of us. God does just the right thing. And we can't change. We can't change our height, at least not by worrying about it. You might Go to one of those things where they stretch you and, you know, go on the rack and maybe get a little taller. I don't know, but why do we worry about stuff? He, he directs our attention to the lilies of the field here in verse 27. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Because of the time of year that it was, I'm sure that Jesus could have probably looked around. It was close to Passover. Jesus could have looked over. It's the spring of the year in Israel and seen the flowers and drawn their attention to these. Look at this, how God provides for these. And yet they're here only for a short time and then they're gone. And yet God provides for these. In our front yard, right now, our front yard is covered with these beautiful yellow California poppies. They're all over in our yard. They're absolutely gorgeous. A beautiful, beautiful, deep yellow color. But you know what, in a a month or so from now, they're going to be gone. They're going to be like weeds, and we pull them out. We get rid of them. They come back on their own in all of their glory and all of their splendor. They're only here for a short time, and then they're gone again until next year. God cares enough 
that he's created for us to see uh, visually his ability to care for all of his creation, to clothe all of his creation. We know for certain that from the, the most majestic of mountain ranges to even the smallest of creatures, even smaller than you and I can see with our naked eye, God creates and God provides. When we look at his handiwork, and yet we still doubt that he's able to handle the situations that we find in our lives. Beloved, what does that really say about us? When we look at the splendor of all of his universe, we look at how he's formed and fashioned this world and, 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 and all of the planets and the stars and space and all of these things, we see the greatness and the grandeur of his creation. And then we worry about the smallest of things. Oh yeah, we worry about some big things too, but let me ask you, the biggest of things that you've ever worried about in your life, the biggest of things, are they bigger than all of creation? Or let me ask you this, are they bigger than your God? You see, too many times we bring God down to be smaller than our worries. We worry, we stress, we fret, and all because of doubt. Oh, you of little faith. We doubt because we have such little faith. We believe God, we trust God, except in that one area of our lives. And for some of us, it's more than just one area in our life. Truth is, we all too often move through our lives on that limited, on that partial faith. I can trust him here, but I can't trust him there. I told this story not too long ago, but it bears repeating the story of a poor farmer. Oh, he was so poor, he couldn't afford a wagon, and he couldn't even afford a horse. But in the time of year, as he gathered and harvested his crops, he would put them in a large sack and throw them over his back, and he would walk into town to the market. And one day, as he's walking to the market, his neighbor, who was a successful farmer, had both horse and wagon, came alongside of him and said, neighbor, can I give you a ride into the market? And so the poor farmer climbed up into the wagon and sat there, and they began down the dirt road heading toward the market. Pretty soon, the, the rich farmer, the one who owned the horse and the wagon, looked at his poor neighbor and says, neighbor, I've invited you to ride in my wagon to the market. Why do you still have your sack on your shoulder? Why don't you lay it in the back of the wagon? And the poor farmer explained. He said, you were so gracious to give me a ride to market. I couldn't expect you to carry my burdens also. Think about that for a moment in our Christian walk. Lord, you saved me. I can't expect you to carry my burdens also. And yet that's why he's there for us casting all of our cares upon him. The only way that you and I can fully enjoy that, that maximum experience of our salvation is to know and to understand that Jesus wants to carry all of our anxiety. He wants to carry all of our concerns. That's why Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now back here in Luke 12, Jesus goes on to instruct his followers. In verse 29, he says, and don't seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all of these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. 
but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Don't have an anxious mind, he said. That word there for anxious mind is miterizo. Miterizo has, as it's directly translated, means to be lifted up into, into mid-air, suspended without any kind of support, able to fluctuate. It's where we get our English word meteor, by the way. And within the context of what Jesus is saying here, it gives us the idea of our mind being suspended somewhere between that solid ground of hope and that instability of fear. We're not well grounded and we're able too often to fluctuate, and that's what happens. We cannot continue to exist in that state, and we certainly can't, rev- we can't thrive in that state of mind. If we're not walking in hope, we're not walking in the solid security that my God is caring for everything that I have. My God knows my needs. My God knows my issues. My God is more than able to supply all of my needs. If we're not walking in the strength of that, then you know what? The cares and the concerns of this world are going to blow you away. You're not going to walk in strength. You're not going to walk in victory. You're going to walk in fear. You're going to walk in anxiousness. And the enemy is going to continue to be able to bring in doubt into your mind. Beloved, we'll be like that meteor, and eventually we're just going to burn out. The Lord didn't create us. He didn't call us to himself for us to live our lives in instability, to live our lives in fear or in doubt, to be overcome by worry and stress. His design is that in these times of doubt or the unknown, that we would put all of our trust, our whole complete trust in him and just wait upon him, to wait upon him. And throughout scriptures, we, we read that message over and over and over again. A multitude of scriptures, Old Testament as well as new. Uh, the words of Jesus in the gospels as well as the message that we see of the church in the book of Acts as well as the letters to the churches of how you and I as believers in the midst of a time and a culture and in a world that's wrought with a multitude of issues that we should be the ones we're able to stand in the midst of those things, in the midst of the worst of the things in our lives, say, yes, but my God reigns. My God is still on his throne. My God is my strong defense. He is my strong tower. My God is my deliverer, even in the midst of it. Psalm 37, 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, many of you know that verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's how you and I need to be living our lives on a daily basis. Isaiah the prophet in chapter 26 and verses 3 and 4, he says, you will keep, speaking of God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusts in you. And he says, trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. You feel beaten up. You feel your strength is almost gone. Trust in the Lord. Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8 says these things. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. 
For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. Even in Arizona. He will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Not be anxious in the year of drought. Some of you here today might be going through that season in your own spiritual life, man. It's a drought. There may be situations going on in your personal life. It just feels like you're in the midst of the the hottest of summers that Casa Grande could offer right here in March or uh, February. You might be in that time of drought. But when we trust in the Lord, we don't need to be anxious about these things. We just submit them to him. By the way, that's Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, do you know what that says? The heart is deceitful and wicked. We can't trust our own heart. That's why we've got to trust in the Lord. In in the book of Nahum, remember that's the one you've been reading all week, Nahum, yeah. Can you find it real quick? No. Nahum chapter 1, verse 7, he writes, the Lord is good. What a great concept that is for you and I to understand. The Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Paul tells the church in Philippi, in Philippians 4, 6, he says, be anxious for what? Nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, will guard what? Your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You see what I'm submitted wholly and completely to the Lord. He's going to guard my heart. He's going to guard my mind from these anxious times, these times of stress and these times of worries. Paul goes on, he, he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Paul writing about himself, he says, Nevertheless, I, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I've believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Do you know whom you've believed? Do you know really and truly the greatness and the majesty and the might of Almighty God, the one who you entrust for your eternal welfare? You know him well enough to know that he will complete in you what he's begun in you. He will not release you to your own (laughs) anxiousness. He won't release you to your own demise. He cares too much for you, and he wants you, again, to lay all these things at his feet. Going back to Luke chapter 12, Jesus continues on with his instruction, with with a challenge, and yeah, with some corrections. In verse 32, he says, do not fear, little flock. I love that. I mean, just the fact that he says, little flock. It's like talking to kids. He says, and he's talking to adults. He's talking to men and women, just, just like we have here. He says, oh, come on, kids. Don't fear. He says, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He goes on. He says, sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Perhaps if you're so consumed and so worried about the things of this life, maybe the thing you need to do is get rid of everything. 
<laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm so worried about obtaining and grabbing this. Maybe what I do need to do is just go become a minimalist and trust the Lord. I don't know what God is speaking in your life. How do we practically overcome worry and stress when we don't allow the things that we own to own us? And too many of us allow the things of this world to own and control us rather than saying, you know what? None of this stuff is necessary. None of this is really needful. Oh, it's a pleasure to have this. It's, it's nice to have this. This might make the journey a little bit softer or easier. Or does it? Does it weigh you down? Does it drag you down? Does it bring you into oppression and depression? Do you own the things or do the things own you? Getting over worry and stress, let me borrow again from webmd.com with a little bit of a twist, okay? Two of the things that they suggest among a whole list and on that list is also exercise and a good diet and who among us doesn't need that. But two things that really drew my attention as I read this. One was meditation. Stay with me, okay? And, and the other was a social network. The first one, according to WebMD, he said meditation. Now, again, if you were with me last week, you know we're not talking about being on the hilltops in Sedona or up in the Himalayas with our body twisted like a pretzel and going om, okay? That's not what we're talking about meditation here. But it, with WebMD, what their, what their direction was, daily meditation instead of worrying may help you move beyond negative thoughts and allow you to become unstuck from worries that keep your body on high alert. With meditation, you purposefully pay attention to what is happening at the present moment without thinking of the past or the future. Meditation decreases hormones such as cortisol and adrenaline, which is released during that fight or flight or stress response. Now, for you and I as believers, what is our time of meditation? It's our time of prayer. It's our time of coming before the Lord, focusing on the Lord, casting all of our cares on Him, giving Him thanks, giving Him praise, resting in Him, coming to Him on a regular basis. Instead of worrying, how about praying? Instead of focusing on the situation that causes you to fear and to doubt, how about purposefully focusing on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? And as you focus on him, ask him to take all these cares, take all these concerns, name them out loud, speak them to him. Lord, you know this situation and you can speak it to him. Just lay it at his feet. And ask him to fill you with his presence. To fill you with his strength. To fill you fresh and new with his Holy Spirit. Restore the joy of your salvation. In order that you might be that man or a woman that walks in the fullness of Christ. And not the fullness of the cares and the concerns of this world. The next thing we have is, they said, have a strong social network. That's not to see how many friends you can get on Facebook, okay? That's not what they're speaking about here. He says, have a strong social network. He says, chronic feelings of loneliness or social isolation make it harder to effectively manage stress. People who are happily married, 
Hi, wife. Uh, and have large networks of friends not only have greater life expectancies compared to those who do not, but they also have fewer incidences of just about all types of diseases. Interesting. What is our social network as believers? It's the church. It's a local body of believers that we connect with. It's not bouncing from one church to another church to another church to another church for the latest flavor of the week. It's to find a local body of believers that you can become part of that family. A local body of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, who can encourage you, who can challenge you. Friends who are willing to walk through that battle with you. Friends that are willing to stand with you in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the flood, to encourage you and to lift you up and to draw you near. Like-minded folks who are willing to pray with you and for you. From what I read here, the more active you are in the local body of believers, in that family of believers, you've got a greater life expectancy. That sounds good to me if you want that. Less likely of uh, uh, all kinds of diseases. That's okay, man. That's great. But the one thing that I think is most important is we can walk hand in hand with brothers and sisters through all the stuff of this life. As a believer... As a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've committed and submitted your life to him, you know that he's forgiven you of your sin. You know that you are his child. Within your life, you need to understand there's still going to be stuff, okay? There's still going to be stuff. Every one of us go through it. It's called life in this fallen nature. We're not in heaven yet. We're not in eternity yet, though at times it feels like it's in eternity. We're still in process. We're still in progress. We're still all on journey. And there's great strength coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ and fellowship of like-minded believers. As iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another. The, the, the word tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, he says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. He goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more the more, as you see that day approaching. And I don't know if you've watched the news or read the papers of lately, but I think that day is approaching very quickly. And the enemy is doing everything he can to discourage, to distress, and to distract you from being a light in this present generation for a lost and dying world that's walking in darkness. One of the greatest strengths and I think one of the great importances of the local church is the fellowship of believers together. I don't know how someone can be a Lone Ranger Christian. It was never intended to be that way. As a matter of fact, that's unbiblical. We are not called to be Lone Rangers. We are called to be the body of Christ. Are you really part of the body? Do you really know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you committed your life to him in order that you know that not only is your sin forgiven, but there's an eternity that awaits you in the presence of Almighty God? Are you part of the family?
Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.